Good evening. This is the Fantasy Discussion Group, and this is June 23rd, and my name is Ann Parsons, and I am pinch-hitting for Julia, who's having technical difficulties this evening. And we are reading His Majesty's Dragon by Naomi Novik, and... As usual, I am going to ask uh, the two of you what you think of this book. Did you like it? Did you not like it? And why? Well, I guess I ought to go first since I'm the one that suggested it. Um, I love this book. In fact, I really have enjoyed all of the the books in the series that I've read so far, which I'm getting close to the end of it at this point. Um, I love... The dragon. I love the characters of the dragons, and I love the way that um, she does the dragons. I thought that the uh, I thought that the narration of this first book was just really dynamite good, and I I've always been obsessed with the Napoleonic era anyway. So it was kind of just really kind of a treat to see something treated pretty responsibly as far as being authentic to the time and yet so interestingly speculative at the same time yeah well i read the whole series some time ago i enjoyed it um i particularly like how the dragons become more and more independent through the series um I think the idea is kind of neat. I kind of wish they put in a glossary for some of the more obscure terms. Uh, Like I'd never heard of a blue stocking, and I'm still not entirely sure what they are. Um, That was one of the things that was in this book. Um, But uh, overall, I enjoyed it. Well, now, Marshall, you should you should read your Georgette Hare, and you should read your um, whoever else is publishing Regency fiction, and then you would know what a blue stocking was. A blue stocking is a woman who is more intelligent than she should be. In other words, she is. Um, you know, not not the run-of-the-mill kind of woman that she is more of an intellectual as opposed to the classic um, sex object, you know, etc., etc. Um, I don't know if it applies to men as well, but um, it is someone who is an intellectual as opposed to not. Does that make sense in the context of the uh, of the book? Yeah, it does. Well, I don't know. Because of the odd situation that women were in the aerial corps, you know, I guess you'd consider them all blue stockings. Um, But it was a man talking about it at the time, so I think the concept is clear. I actually Googled it to see what it was. Um, And that makes sense. That's my understanding of it too, Marshall. What um, Anne said—it's definitely a, a, 
a woman of intellectual capacity who doesn't bother to act like somebody that's sort of sweet and dumb and simple, which is apparently what people expect of them, especially if you are, um, I'm not sure, I guess you would call it part of the aristocracy, but maybe just even just, you know, in Britain there's just so much weird stuff. So there's like people who are the aristocracy for sure, and then there's kind of people who are, upper class but not necessarily aristocracy and then there's middle class people and then they're you know, but it would be somebody either upper class or um, probably above middle class in that would that would probably be the only other thing that I would say but it's definitely women probably some like Ada Lovelace although I think this is too early for her not much um, I think wasn't she like Lord Byron's daughter I don't know and Lord Byron was, this is pretty much the era for Lord Byron, I think. He might have been like as late as 20, like 1820. So we're, we're talking pretty close to the same era. But, of course, it, you know, she, she died very young, though, didn't she? Didn't she die of some kind of cancer at like 35 or something? I don't know. The only reason I know about her is the computer language she wrote, or, well, the computer language that's named after her. Yeah, that Ada language. Yeah. Now that's interesting. Um, we have been having, uh, and I wish I wish Lana were here because she wanted to know all this stuff. But uh, you know, she we have been having a very interesting discussion on the writers group, all about um, you know sword play and how you wield a sword and how you um and weapons and and um actually we got into this because uh one of our members had had seen a um 3D printer and was asking well what do you think about 3D printers and what kinds of things would you like to have uh made in a 3D printer and so we started out with animals and the different sizes of animals and all that kind of stuff. And then, then we got into, you know, birds and then we got into weapons and um, architecture and all kinds of stuff. But, um, you know, Lana had said that she wanted to experience, um, you know, some of the things that were in the current fantasy book that she was reading and she cited uh, sword play and, and so forth. Oh, <sighs> sorry, guys. <laughs> it's not you. <laughs> it's been that kind of day. It hasn't been as, as busy as some, but um, I spent the afternoon in a dentist's office. Oh, God. <sighs> I hate the dentist. Well, no, I mean, I, I like the dentist, but I hate going to see him. Yeah, you better not say you hate the dentist. That would be a really bad move. At the risk of being censored, I think the going to the dentist for a man is about the is it's as close as a man can come to being raped because you're there helpless and can't do anything, and people are doing strange things in your mouth, and you're not supposed to move and all this other stuff. It was quite an interesting discussion that we we all were having, and uh, she said she wanted to bring it up on the on the fantasy group, but uh, uh, she's not here. So what can I say? 
that's too bad because that sounds like an interesting topic. I don't really know much about it other than that I do know that broadswords are a sort of older technology than some of the uh, things like rapiers and sabers and stuff like that. And the techniques for fighting with them are considerably different. She might try looking for a, a well, what is it, Society for Creative Ac- Anachronisms. These guys that dress up in uh, medieval costumes and have jousting and sword fights and all that sort of stuff. She might be able to borrow, have somebody uh, use her as a sparring partner. Yeah, that would be cool. Yes. As a matter of fact, I suggested that she might want to look up her local branch of the SCA and, uh, you know, see if they could help her by showing her different kinds of weapons and stuff. Um, because that, that would be... Um, that be that would be one way of, of looking at it. I did manage to see the the uh, the sword of Scotland or whatever the heck the, they call it, and in uh, in the castle in Edinburgh, and it, it is a broadsword. And man, is it long and it is wide, and it is it must be hugely heavy. I mean, just hugely heavy and. Um, you know that, um, oh, what, there was a, um, a fantasy book where the, where the main character had a broadsword and, and the, the, it was enchanted so that he could actually wield it, you know, comfortably without straining and, you know, it was, it was lightened up or something and I don't remember which fantasy book it was now. But um, you know it it because uh, it had to be you know because it was so huge. But anyway, um, so what about the characters in this book? What did you think of the characters? Oh, well, Andy, we didn't hear what you thought of the book. Have you had a chance to read it? Oh, well, <laughs> talk about being. Yeah, I tell you that Julia character, she just totally malarkifies me. I, you know. Anyway, um, yes. Well, I I read almost all of the book, and then I saw where it was going, that he was going to be called into battle, and naturally the battle would be successful because he, um, you know, he he was going to go on through the rest of the series. So I didn't really uh, finish the book actually finish it but I got to like about three hours before the end and then I started reading one of those Friny Fisher novels and I got sidetracked um, but I liked it I, I it was it was good it, it wasn't something I wanted to to read more of I mean it's a nice theory and all like that and it was well done um but it didn't really challenge me the way I, I like to be challenged with a book. Um, on the other hand, uh, speaking of fantasy, I went back and looked at what was what else was on Bard by Lois McMaster Bujold, and I found The Curse of Chalian. And man, oh man, what a book. Phew. Um, 
that's the kind of book that that you remember and stays with you because uh, she really creates her worlds well. She really does, and um, this this particular world that she created was so well done, and and the characters are so great. But anyway. Um, yes, I like the book, and uh, now I can ask you guys what you thought of the characters. Well, I particularly love the dragons, um, and like Marshall mentions, they they sort of grow through the whole series, which is really fascinating to me. And they, you know, it's like in this beginning book, they're all very much they're very childlike, and especially uh, Timorare, the one that is the the main guy's dragon that just gets born at the very beginning of it. But I, they, it's fascinating to me just how individual each one of those dragons is and how beautifully she does that job of making them all different. And then I, I like the characters too. Um, and you know, it's kind of neat too that you see some of the characters kind of come in and out of the other books as time goes on too. You know, I like the way the characters developed, particularly Granby. He has some interesting adventures um, later on when he gets his dragon. Um, and I find the concept of a, something that weighs tons acting like a spo- spoiled brat. And breathing fire at you if she gets pissed. Uh, extremely amusing. Uh, and so I, I, I liked most of the characters. Um, I do wish that something nasty had happened to some of the people in the government, like the Admiralty Board and some of the other things, but that's just because I'm, I'm going through a, I don't like government phase right now. <laughs> I, I agree with you. The Admiralty Board is stinkers. But if you read very much um, naval fiction, the Admiralty Board is that way for naval fiction too. So apparently that's just sort of part of making it be true to the period. Well, I think it's true even in our own navy anymore. I think I think I think they kind of develop an old boys network because they go to a, you know, the ones that go to Annapolis go to a special school and then they go to all these other schools and different duties and they develop an old boys network. Uh, so I think that's I think that may well be true in our existing navy. Oh, I agree, Marshall. I agree. It, it And the Admiralty Board is no different than any other bureaucratic organization. Um, you know, they, they do their own thing, and they don't care about the, the people outside their, their um, little circle. And they can do whatever they want with the people outside their little circle. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the 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 naval board and and the army and what whatever is very much like the way you describe them today I think um, you know it just sounds it just sounds very normal to me 
But then I have also read a lot of naval stuff as well. I mean, I've read the the um, oh, uh, you know, what's his name, um, Bernard Cornwell, and I've read uh, the Matchman series, and you know, all those, and you know, so yeah, I, it it's pretty normal. It makes me think of that line from HMS Pinafore that the admiral guy says be very very good and never go to sea and soon you'll be the ruler of the queen's navy yes exactly so yep you're very right about that okay um as far as the dragons go i have to confess i i i guess i'm i'm partial to Anne McCaffrey's dragons, and I always will be partial to Anne McCaffrey's dragons. And the fact that these dragons just all of a sudden up and talk just uh, kind of blows my mind. I mean, you know, it's not it's not a telepathic anything. It's it's a it's it's an out and out speech, and and it just it just kind of blows my mind. I, I'm not exactly used to it. That is weird, isn't it? And I, I'm with you. I love Anne McCaffrey's dragons. There's nothing better. Yeah, she never did describe exactly how they managed to to speak. It's like, you know, um, I've heard people have trained their dogs and cats to make noises that sound like speech, but these, you know, just coming up and speaking, well. English and French and uh, Chinese, just because they've been around it, I, that, I, that I found a little hard to buy, but it was necessary f- for the story. Yeah, there are other things about that that bother me, too, that I hadn't even really thought about the language issue. But the thing that strikes me is as much as they eat, I don't see how there's it seems to me like there's no ecological way that they could really exist. Well, what I couldn't understand is how the dragons were so big that like six or eight men or however could be all over them and under them and, you know, by a system of of ropes and stuff and you know, do all this stuff, and I just, I mean, that would be a huge beast. I mean, absolutely huge. Um, and I'm not sure that that uh, it could fly. But then, what do I know? I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a physics person, so I don't know. She made a point that they had. Um, bladders in them that it sounded like they were filled with hydrogen Um, and that was how she justified their being able to fly Um, but I, I, I had a little bit of trouble with that too because you know the duration of the time, it, the, the amount of energy it would take to keep something that weighed tons, and they did mention that they weighed tons, flying for any length of time is just incredible. Well, that's our trouble, Marshall, because we like science fiction, too. And 
you know, you you begin to to uh, put these ideas against real, honest, goodness science, and you say, "Whoa, wait a minute! You mean she says that the dragons are filled with hydrogen?" How the heck would you do that? And where would the hydrogen come from if it was inside a, a, a living body? And wouldn't that be... Uh, hmm. Now, that that doesn't scan. That's not very logical, I don't think. She doesn't really get into any of that detail. She just really calls them... Um, she actually calls them like air sacs or something. But it's sort of... I think that... I agree. That's this is not a book to read and expect it to make good sense. It's really there. Just it's just fun. That was that was the way that I sort of took these books, and I do take these books. They're just fun because they're sort of playing with something that I have always enjoyed, but played with it in a way that I like because I love dragons. Actually, believe it or not, there was a a TV program on, and I think it was on one of the science channels. That said, okay, could there be a divide, uh, Could there be such an, a creature as a dragon? And if so, how? And they went through and came up with explanations for everything that a dragon could do, um, including breathing fire and flying and all the other stuff. I don't remember the exact title of it. For you to look up, but I remember watching it. In fact, I freaked a guy out because I was talking about it, and he thought I was talking that they discovered real dragons. Oh, that sounds like a fun show to see, and I bet that would freak somebody out. That's kind of like the War of the Worlds. Well, you know, I've always wondered where do dragons? Where did the idea of dragons come from? Because you know, they seem to be in China, and they seem to be in England. Um, you know, the American Indians had a, the Thunderbird. You know, are they re, are, did, are they describing a real creature that died out, or where did the idea come from for these things? I have read a book, um, and this is fiction, so who knows whether it has anything to do with the reality or not. But this was a book set in China, and apparently there are a lot of um, dragon or dragon bones. God, um, there are a lot of dinosaur bones that are. Um, found in the mountains in China and, and that's sort of the speculation of where at least Chinese dragons the concept of Chinese dragons came from yeah but it seems to me quite a leap to go from some fossil bones showing in the side of a hill to a you know a creature like a dragon um, and the fact that they seem to be you know it's other places besides um, China. Yeah, that's true. And the thing about the thing about this particular book, well, well, it was just sort of seems like there was some kind of dealing in the old bones, and so that's the only thing I know. But I, I know what you're talking about. It's like going from a few bones laying in a hillside to all of the different attributes that dragons usually have seems a very far stretch to me too. Well, I think if they were describing 
you know, some kind of dinosaur that flew, which there was, that might be the basis for it, but they, they sure have changed over the years. Yeah, I'd say they have. I mean, like breathing fire, that would be a definite change. <laughs> you know, another thing about, you know, it's like the whole thing about dragons loving gaudy stuff and jewelry and gold and things. Um, you know, again, how do you get that from anything that would be in the fossil record? Well, that's true. I mean, you know, um, but then humans have a lot of imagination, so, I, you know, anything's possible. Anything's possible, so I really don't know, uh, Deb. I honestly don't. All right. Um, well, have we covered the waterfront here, or do we have more to say? I can't really think of anything else unless Marshall's got something that he wants to say. No, I can't think of anything else. Well, there are the powers that the dragons have, like um, it didn't develop much in this story. But, you know, they had the fire, they had fire breathing dragons and poison and acid spitting dragons and um, poison gas spitting dragons. And it was interesting to see what, oh, I can't pronounce his name, Tenorum's power turned out to be. Um, I found those kind of interesting. Because there, there, you know, there were some that you normally didn't associate with dragons. That's true. Um, you maybe want to read the end of it, and because that reminds me that you don't really find out until fairly close to the end about what I think is it Timorer. I I can't really pronounce it very well either. But anyway, you don't really find out what his powers are until close to the end, and they're kind of interesting. And there's an exciting twist to who he really is. Okay. Well, I guess I can I can read another three hours. Um, as I say, I, I got tied up with a Franny Fisher thing, and, and, you know, so that's over now. And I will come back to it, and uh, I probably will. Okay. What are we reading next month, guys? Um, I hope somebody has ideas. I thought we had already established what we were going to read, and right now I can't remember what it was. Well, I there was a book that came out just before last month's meeting called, I think it was called The Frontier Magic Trilogy. And I read it, and, okay, I'm not a highbrow reader, but I think it was one of the best fantasy books I've read in a long time. Excuse me a second. Yes, 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 yes. That was it. That was it. And I downloaded it. I have it. Um, now I just have to find it. Um, who was the Who was the author? Oh, you would ask. The last name is Reed, but it's not. I think it's Patricia C. Reed, and that last name is spelled something like W. R-E-E-D-E or W-E-E-D-E, something weird. But that's the Frontier Magic Trilogy is the title. And it's kind of an alternate history. I've finished it. 
It's kind of an alternate history book. It is fantasy. There are no werewolves, no vampires, no zombies. There are there is a dragon or two, and a few other fantastical creatures. Um. So it takes place. Um. About the time the Civil War would have been happening. And that's about all I'm going to say. When you say you're not a highbrow reader, do you think, are you implying that this is a highbrow book somehow or a lowbrow book or what? I'm not sure I understand what you meant. Well, this isn't, this isn't quite as, um, I guess, it doesn't use the same kind of writing style that, say, the one we just finished did, or a lot of the ones I've read now. It's, you know, relatively simple uh, descriptions. It's told from the point of view of a, starts out with the point of a view from of a child, and goes through her growing up experiences as in this frontier time. Um, you know, I, I can't describe it any better than that. Um, okay, sounds good. And it's a Reedy uh, with a W. W-R-E-E-D-Y. And I did write it down. I just couldn't find it. It's my problem. I did write it down, and yes, we are reading uh, Frontier Magic Trilogy by Patricia Reedy. That actually sounds interesting to me, too. And, yeah, I think one of the things that um, I actually liked about this book was that I thought she did a good job of making it sound like the people that... uh, It's like the dialogue and stuff was authentic to the period. And it sounds like that's really what you're saying about your book, too. It's really authentic to a period and a situation, which is sort of the wilderness, where this was the sophisticated in parentheses um, place uh, you know like 1800s England so that sounds cool Marshall righty. Uh, then we will see you on the third uh, the fourth Tuesday of July which hang on I'll see what it is in just a second should be July 28th As far as I can see, same time, same station. Sounds good to me. Does to me, too. Good night, everybody, and it's nice to meet the new guy whose name I won't even try and pronounce. No, I won't either, and he left some time back, but, um, Chikotanaka Angelato, I don't know. I, I, that's what the screen reader says, but... You know, I doubt if that's correct. But in any case, I'm glad he came, and and, uh, so hopefully he'll be back next week or next month. Um, Bye for now, folks. Night, all. Good night.